Hi, welcome to Birthing at Home, a podcast. I'm Elsie, your host. I'm a home birth mom of two little boys. I'm a mental health nurse, a home birth advocate broadly, but also more specifically in the state of Victoria, and I'm an ex-student midwife. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land I'm recording on in um, Melbourne, Australia. I would also like to acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have been birthing at home on country for tens of thousands of years prior to the British invasion and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This is another part in episode. Today, Robert, the husband of Sarah from episode 19, shares his perspective on home birth and his experiences supporting birth at home. It was so great to chat with Robert. We talk about home birth, the importance of being a foundational support in birth, the realities of risk and the importance of asking, what does that mean when told your risk has increased, which is a common phrase within maternity care. And one of my favorite parts is the realization that yes, most expecting parents probably spend more time considering what car they will buy than about what their birthing options are. It's a thought-provoking episode and I know you'll enjoy it. Please do share this episode to get the word out there that these special episodes exist and enjoy. Welcome Robert to Birthing at Home, a podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here in your car studio. I was just uh, telling Robert uh, for the listeners that this isn't the first time that I've had someone record in their car. Um, so thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Do you want to give a bit of background about like who you are, where you're from? Um, obviously you're Sarah's uh, husband, so that's awesome, but a bit more background information about who you are. Hi. Uh, yeah. So um, I am a teacher Uh I have a bit of background in mental health and uh, psychology, um, but uh, I'm a dad of two now, um, and I live up in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales, uh, and we moved out of Sydney, got the hell out of Sydney um, at the start of 2023, um, yeah. uh, about a month into a pregnancy. So Yeah. <laughs> big big changes last year so it was yeah. uh, all the fun yeah. yeah amazing so you have uh addison who's like six addison is now six yes yeah yep and you have quinton who almost five months almost five months yeah baby baby, <laughs> baby um baby. yeah am- amazing and so um for listeners that might have listened to Sarah's episode, you would know that, well, I mean, hearing just that, that there's quite a big gap um, in Addison and Quinton and I guess, you know, also quite a difference in, um, you know, birth stories as well. So I guess to start off with, Robert, like before Addison, so going back, you know, seven or so <laughs> years, did you have – like any ideas about pregnancy or birth or, you know? No, uh, yeah. not really. Um, it's not something you really gave too much thought into before um, starting that journey. Um, and one of the things quickly we found out is that uh, the wording in health insurance premiums um, can be a bit confusing and when you think you're covered for one thing and you're not and it comes out of a separate bucket um yeah uh that sort of set the tone for the first pregnancy i think we we thought one thing and then there was something else and 
um, and it was it was a it was a, a difficult pregnancy and 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 a um, difficult birth. Uh, not as bad as some, uh, better than others. Uh, um, yeah. But still, it was still it, there was it was part of the reason why there was such a big gap between um, Addison yeah. and Quinton. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, going in going into that first pregnancy, um, there was a lot of learning that needed to happen very very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, for the listeners that haven't heard or listened to Sarah's story of the birth of Quinton, do you want to give a very brief summary of, like, from your perspective, the birth experience of Addison or, like, the birth of Addison? Yeah. um, So Sarah had um, some medical issues going into that pregnancy um, that – caused her to be quite sick throughout the pregnancy, um, didn't work as much uh, as she wanted to. Um, and I think uh, really uh, hit our confidence going into that, um, to the end of that pregnancy. Uh, and um, one, I will say one of the, the shining uh, points out of that pregnancy was the continuity of care. We, we sort of fell into a midwifery program um, where we've got a trainee, a midwife, and she saw us at every appointment and knew us. And, and, and um, because it wasn't a cookie-cutter sort of stock-standard pregnancy and, and we, it didn't fit the mould for what the hospital wanted, or, 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 and, and I think as a result, um, yeah, there was, there was some trauma from that birth. Um, it hit us both pretty hard. Uh, at times, uh, yeah. during it and after it, um, and it took a little while to heal from. Yeah. Um, yeah, having to negotiate with obstetricians, anaesthetists, midwives, uh, when you're going on 40 hours of no sleep um, and, yeah. and trying to keep your wits about you um, was difficult. Uh, so, yeah. So, that that was yeah. that was the first pregnancy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we um, learn. Yeah, (laughs) so then um, Sarah becomes pregnant with Quentin and like, had you put like you yourself like thought about, you know, like how this pregnancy might be or how this birth might be like thinking about like your, your pretty much only exposure to birth at this point is like something that's kind of traumatic, you know? Yeah, uh, so we were kind of determined the second time round to learn um, yeah. what we learned from the first time round. Um, Sarah more so than I um, did. Did love the heavy lifting in terms of of getting resources and research. Yeah, she had a much clearer idea of how it wanted. She wanted to go um, in terms of. Yeah the continuity of care was really important. Like I said, like we liked that. That was the one thing from that first pregnancy that worked and, um, and it was so important. So we set out at the outset looking for that from the get go, the midwife, um, that continuity of care, that consistency, that understanding us and what we wanted and our wishes and to be respected that way. Um, and so, from that, the outset, that's what we wanted. We, we didn't necessarily want a home birth at first. Um, yeah. 
all options were on the table at the start, uh, but we knew what we didn't want and, and, and we knew that birthing in the system um, needed to work for us. Yeah. Um, however that, whatever that was going to look like. Yeah. Um, and I think the point, so the, for the second pregnancy, there was a point there where um, we weren't going to have kids, another kid. Yeah. Um, and I literally ha- was booked in to have uh, the snip. Yeah. And um, we were out by ourselves one evening and we sort of just decided, like, do we really want to do this? Do we want to, like, go through with this so there's, there's that's completely off the table, no more kids? Yeah. And there was a reluctance there. And I think unless you're both 100% in um, – then it's it's probably a no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so and so we talked it out and we decided, well, are we actually really considering this? So I think by the end of the evening we had a, a spreadsheet open with potential baby names. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um so yeah, so after that decision, then the next decision was well it can't be a repeat of what happened the first time. So we went yeah. into it this time around. Um with a lot more forethought, um, consideration and, um, a little bit more confidence as well. I think which yeah. helped. Yeah. 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 I guess, yeah. When you go into birth, not really having any idea, like there's a thousand possibilities. Yeah. But when you know what you don't want, then mm. you can be like, well, I don't want that. I don't want that. And so it, you know, narrows down, all of the possible options, I guess, that exist in the birth and pregnancy world. Um, do you remember, like, the first time that Sarah mentioned home birth to you? Like, we actually were talking about this the other day, and I, I can't remember that point when it came up yeah. because we were, we were looking at all options. We knew what we didn't want, and that meant we need to look outside of what was conventional. Yeah, um, yeah. So it it wouldn't have I, I I do know it wouldn't have seemed far fetched to me. Yeah. Um, and the and the fact that I can't remember the exact point in which it was brought up probably means that it was like okay, that's yeah. that's on the table. Everything was on the table. It's yeah. another option. Yeah. Um, and I think throughout the whole pregnancy with Quinton, uh, we would examine everything that came up. Yeah. Talk about it think about it, exact, look at the risks, look at the, the evidence behind it, and then, and then make an informed decision based on that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. During the pregnancy um, with Quentin, whether, and, you know, when you decided that you would um, have a home birth with Quentin, whether, I guess, in that context, but also more broadly in the context of just having another baby did you have any fears or particular things that you were like specifically worried about yeah so i know it came up we'd met with our uh midwife in Eka at that point and, and um she'd taken us on um and she I, if you ever get a chance to meet her she's the perfect she's gonna hate me for this the perfect blend of um uh medicine and hippie uh, okay, or excellent. art or art and science, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. me, she, she was very, very clear at the outset um, 
of what she can and can't do. Um, she'd take everything on board, but as soon as we stepped outside what, with, you know, she could ethically offer, she'd let us know where we approach those boundaries and those sorts of things. Um, so, look, after having met her and, and knowing that she was in our corner, I, I don't think really I had too many fears. I have a note here about, um, oh, yeah. So, look, at the outset, I, I knew I had all the typical fears about, like, what if something bad happens, you know. Um, yeah. You know, emergencies, uh, transfer the hospital, and you know all all that that cascade of interventions and all those sorts of things that that come up and and you know a, a, a sort of drummed into via stories and media and things because you know yeah. if the heart of a good story is conflict and yeah, you know, yeah. If, if you're if you're, it sells <laughs> right so. Um, in terms of birth, what's the conflict going to be? It's going to be conflict with the body, conflict with the outcome, blah, blah, blah. So, but as you know, working in the mental health field, uh, any any sort of uh, field-related psychology, four years of psychology behind me and anyone that's done psychology knows that it's, it's, it's a little bit of theory about what goes on with people in the brain. Yeah. Most of it is statistics. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you sit down and consider what the actual risks are of these sorts of catastrophic events, they are so infinitesimally small. Um, yes, they do happen. Yes, they can happen. I had a friend who had a catastrophic event and lost their child with one of the state's best obstetricians yeah. in a private hospital. Yeah, they couldn't transfer them. Make the news. Didn't make the news. <laughs> couldn't they? Couldn't and and in that situation, they couldn't get them to a public the the, the Westmead Children's in time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, it, if it it sounds really morbid and bad, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And yeah. there are certain situations where, no matter what setting you're in, yeah. Um, you might have a better chance of uh, survival or, or, or a better outcome, but when you're hitting that pointy end of the curve, yeah, um, the odds are stacked against you anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, that came up to play like when we get to talk about the actual the birth of Quinton, like the the thirty eight week yeah. scan and and the yeah. <laughs> and There's doctors so not knowing much, their statistics <laughs> so much drama and scans oh my gosh um and so working with um aneka so you felt like she was the main person that was able to help you overcome these fears or i guess or all of sarah's um research and education probably helped as well yeah yeah both yeah. those those two things like you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. Um, and to be forewarned is to be forearmed. So, yeah. Yeah. If, if you know what the risks are, like people will spend more time choosing a car than their birth mm. options. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's so true. <laughs> They'll spend that's more so time true. learning about the intricacies of a new vehicle than the options for a birth. Oh my gosh! And all the safety features of the car, but you never like consider. Oh my god, I'd never thought about it like that. Whoa! So, 
like if you if you're a partner and you're listening and you're like, oh, you will spend more time considering what your next vehicle choice is, yeah, than than the birth of your child usually. Yeah, that's wild. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to use that like as for everyone that ever questions home birth. Like, how long did it take to decide on what car you uh, bought? I know when I got my car, it took me like weeks to like figure out which car, what price, where you could get it from. Test drive it. How does, it feel? Drive it? How does it feel? <laughs> yeah. Like, on paper, like, oh. this car's better. But this one yeah. feels more right. like Yeah. And, like, you can return the car at the end of the day, but you can't return a birth experience. Nope. Like, um, oh, my gosh. And so talking about all of this ultrasound drama, do you want to um, give, like, a little overview of your understanding of what happened there? So, yeah, um, Sarah was a little bit worried, worried is the wrong word, concerned because she hadn't really felt um, Quinta move as much. Yeah. There, was, there, was, a, there yeah. was a change in frequency and amount of um, movement and, like, the kid's legs never stop now. Um, yeah. I can only imagine what it was like in utero as well. And, yeah. and so she was, we, we felt him kick really early. And, you know, if you've met him, if you meet him, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, this little jalapeno baby just kicks around the whole time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when there was that decrease in movement, um, it's a little bit concerned. So, um, and Neck is like, well, what do you, what are your concerns? Would it make you feel better if you went for a scan? And we're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's err on the side of the caution. We're at 38 weeks. Let's make sure everything's all good. Yeah. And so Sarah's like, well, I can go in and have a full scan or just a, a, a little scan. Because at 38 weeks, you, you can't really get the whole package in. Like the pole, it's really hard to get a full picture of the baby, as you'll know. Yeah. And and they're notoriously inaccurate with, with certain measurements and things like that. So I'm like, yeah. look, and I kick myself for it now. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll err on the side of the caution here. Let's just go for the whole hog. We're paying for it. Why not? Like. Yeah. So, um, so that turned out to be a bit of a mistake. So we get this, I get, I was, I was on the road, uh, that day. I, I distinctly remember I was heading back into Newcastle across the bridge, um, coming from the North, coming up from, um, Nelson's Bay. Okay. And I got a call from Sarah telling me about this scan i'm like oh how's things is the baby you know still got a baby and, she, <laughs> and she's like yeah but like and then she tells me like it, it's like really small um and they couldn't find a kidney and all this stuff yeah. i'm like but that's weird because the 20 week morphology everything was on track right yeah <sighs> okay so, and then that starts the ball rolling. So now we get flagged in the system. So there's suspected interuterine inter growth restriction. Yeah. So then ho hospital policy and procedure and state government policy and procedure starts to kick in. And so we start getting, you know, pressured into, well, uh, we've got to book you in for an induction. Like, you know, the, you the, the baby's not thriving. The baby could die, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 
Um, so we go, look, we'll get a confirmation scan first, please. Yeah. Yeah, just hold up. Hold up. Yeah. So we get so we get the second scan and it's the other end of the curve. So we've got yeah. a big baby now, not a small baby. Yeah. Um still problem with the kidney. Still not yeah. sure, couldn't really see that, but it's on a particular side what was really difficult to see even when they're out anyway. So Yeah. So then we get sent along for a third one <laughs> eventually. Uh, after we kick up a bit of a stink because we've got yeah. two conflicting results. What do you yeah. do? So you go for a third. Yeah. Um, and it it fell sort of in between. So three completely different results. Um, yeah. Two from the same sonographer. Um, yeah. So one of the things, I, I remember meeting with an obstetrician at the hospital uh, our closest hospital that we're booked into and listening to them. And I was a little concerned and I was thinking about, okay, so we'll set a time limit in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, okay, so I don't, I don't want to book in for an induction this Friday. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like we have incomplete information. Let's yeah. see how things go. Give some space and time to think. Yeah. They kept pushing. Yeah, wow. Um, and I was not going to relent, but I was I was prepared to go home and have a really good long think about it, and if necessary, try and talk Sarah around to it because yeah, until they mucked up their stats. Yeah, and um, in in the interim between the scans. Uh, our midwife had sent me a whole bunch of peer-reviewed data, meta-analysis um, from Cochrane and and a, a few other and um, federal government data on risks associated. She wouldn't make, you know, Sarah's like, can you just make the call for us? And she's like, I can't. You have to make the call. Yeah. And Sarah wasn't able to decipher some of the statistics. So, of course, <laughs> yep. I hope no one from work hears me. Uh, I, <laughs> instead of working, I was I spent two days of work time reading uh, peer-reviewed medical journals yep. and uh, spending a bunch of time looking at their methodology and their statistics. And um, yep. so one of the key things you need to know is in general population, you have uh, 2.7 deaths per thousand perinatal deaths. So anywhere from between yeah. 20 weeks and 44 weeks after they're out, right? Yeah. Perinatal yeah. is about 2.7, I think, from memory. This is a while ago, so don't quote yeah, me on yeah, these yeah. stats. <laughs> so, you know, to put it into perspective, out of every 10,000 pregnancies that get to 20 weeks, 27 of those kids will die. Yeah. Right. Add in the risks that we had, the risk factors we had, it bumps it up to three point two or thirty-two kids in ten thousand. Yeah. Not a huge increase from where no, we're sitting. And, and, yeah. I mean it like you've said before, it's like pretty morbid to be talking about like But this is what we're faced stuff, with. But that's what they 
Yeah, and that's what they scare you with. They say, oh, like your risk increases or your risk doubles or your risk is higher or whatever. But actually, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. So I think one of, and one of, I can't remember, otherwise I put in the formal complaint, but one of the OBs or it was either either OB or one of them. There was two, there was two, there was two lady doctors we were talking to. um, And um, I shouldn't say lady doctors. Two doctors we were talking to, and yeah. and one of them said like you've got a three percent chance of death. I'm like, thank you for your time. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it under advice. Yeah, and um, so I knew she, I knew where she was coming from, but she had no idea of what the stats meant. Yeah, which kind of helped me make up my mind. Um, yeah, and I think at that point we'll just we'll just wait like. If movements are back. Um, there's yeah. there's no other like we we've got um, data that's inconclusive. Yeah. Um, and conflicting. Yeah, um, and conflicting. And um, and look, don't get me wrong. Like when things go wrong, I want an obstetrician in my corner. Like that's that's oh, what they're trained 100%. for. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are trained to deal with that pointy end. That. Yeah. Of the curve where yeah. when things go wrong, you want them there. That's what they're trained yeah. for. But I think yeah. after having worked in education for so long and seeing how it changes people and, 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 and having relatives and people in the in medical system and seeing how it sort of changes you, um, then they will see – that they live through trauma every day. So yeah. you can't yeah. do that without it affecting your view. So yeah. they just want to avoid it as much as possible and they will rely on these policies and procedures. Yeah. Some of which aren't up to date with um yeah. uh the best science that's that's yeah, out there yeah, at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And some of them because that's what they, they need to fall back on. Um yeah. And then the other the other thing that kicked around in the back of my mind was um, there's an there was an article written in the New York Times in 2013. It's called How Doctors Die. Okay. And and again, this is really hugely morbid to be talking about. Yeah, if no, you're listening to this and you're of, and you're trying to yeah, you know, um, because that's 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 what was the risk they're trying to avoid at all costs, yeah. like the, the the death of a child. Um, yeah. But one of the things that stuck with me when I read that was they don't use the system. They die completely differently to the general population. Mm. Um, they know what the limits of medical science are. Yeah. And they know what's important. They know, they know when to call quits, yeah. um, refuse treatment, and then just spend the rest of their time that they've got the best way possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of using the system the way the rest of us do. So there's that yeah. inherent distrust again i guess about uh, from the medical yeah. profession um when it comes yeah. to risk of death yeah but yeah absolutely like i think like like i work in mental health and i'm a nurse and um i've seen so many things where i'm like oh god like you know even talking to a, um a paramedic friend the other day um i was like oh my god i cannot believe we're like living in such like 
you sold one one idea but it's like actually completely different and there's so many situations like you know i i want to be healthy and well because being faced with the reality of like getting stuck in like the hospital system or getting stuck in emergency things and like things are missed all the time like Mm -hmm. it's such a big system that means there's bigger potential for things to go wrong. And, like, and I think the thing to remember, it's a system and, 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 it works yeah. from a, and it works from a systemic point of view. Yeah, yeah. So what that means is it works well for a population but not particularly for individual cases. So, Individuals, yeah. And I think for us, getting back to the start, that continuity of care, having that one provider – whether it be a private midwife, whether it be an obstetrician, whether it be even like, God bless Daisy, if you're listening to this, like you were the one bright light in the first pregnancy. Um, So like having that one person that can help you navigate the system and, and make it work for you. Yeah. I think is, 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 is the biggest thing. Yeah. um, Biggest takeaway we had. So I think we identified that early on. Yeah, yeah. So you have all of the this scan drama um, at thirty eight ish weeks. Um, how are you feeling, like in the lead up to you know preparing for a new a new baby to be in the house, and like also preparing Addison? Like, did you have any like worries or concerns about any of that? Oddly calm for someone who is is, is um, has a tendency to be a little bit anxious and, and worrisome yeah. Um, yeah. and get lost in their own head. Uh, yeah. Oddly, oddly calm about it all. Yeah. Um, we'd been prepping Addison um, to help out in the birth if necessary. Yeah. Um, kind of glad she wasn't there for it <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of screaming. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, in the lead up. My, I was working with my team and they knew it was ha- happening soon. So things were like taken care of work side, which is yep. a huge ease of the mental load there. Yeah. Um, and at home, like I think Sarah was getting antsy about like, it's never going to come. It's going to be so late. And if it goes too long, then I'm going to have to transfer anyway. And like all those sorts of things. Yep. I'm like, so we did what we did for the first, for the first pregnancy, which was made plans. Yeah. Uh, and of course, as soon as you make plans and, and get about doing stuff that you wanted to do and ignore the pregnancy. Yeah. Like the kid comes in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the, I think on the Monday, um, I was working from home and, and, and so I was like, uh, my water's just broke. I'm like, like okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, do we need to do anything? Is there anything accompanying with that? And she's like, no, I'm like, okay, cool. I went back yeah, to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I just let my team know, Hey, uh, my was just broken. They're like, Oh my God, do you need to go to the hospital? I'm like, no, there's no contractions. Yeah. Labor hasn't properly started yet. Like this could be like, this could be, I, I'll work from home for the next three days. I'll put in a request for that. But, uh, yeah. other than that, like we'll just yeah. sit and wait. So nothing happened that first day, the second day, um, early in the morning, I had a class and then um, so I was online with them and I just finished up like two minutes and I was typing up some notes and I get a call and Sarah decided in, when I was in the class to, to take herself for a walk. Yeah. 
And of course, that's when Labor started <laughs> um, with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah. And um, she tells it better, but she goes, I need you to pick me up. So I, I run out, I get in the car, and I drive the way. We always go for the walk. Every single time we have ever gone for a walk, we went one particular way. Of course, this time she decides she would go in a different way. Just change it up a little bit. Just change it up. Oh, no. So I'm racing around this day. I go around up the street. She's no, she's not here. Maybe she went down that way. So I do a Yui, went back down the other possible way. We went one time. No, not yeah. there. And then, uh, yeah, so I raced back all the way around the outline, outside and, and ended yeah. up finding her. Um, yeah, she, she went in the complete opposite direction we've always gone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and we're sitting on the side of the road there with a concerned neighbour um, poking her head out the window. <laughs> um, so, I got her in, yeah, and then active labour started. Uh, the midwife, of course, decided to take their kid out that day. Yeah. Um, so, she was in Newcastle, 40 minutes away, 40, yep. on, at 40 minutes if there's no traffic. Traffic. (laughs) So she was speeding along the the motorway um, after she got the call. Yeah. The second midwife, the backup midwife, was speeding along her way. Um, They got here roughly at the same time. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, so – but in that time, yeah, Sarah had started labor um, and was begging me to call her an ambulance and take her to the hospital yeah, really? Wow. And I was like, it's too late. Yeah. Like, because we're, we're regional. Yeah. By the time the ambulance gets here and they assess you and they load you up, you're yeah. giving birth on the side of the road. Yeah. Do you want to give birth yeah. in the ambulance on the side of the road? She's like, no. I'm like, yeah. right. So, we've got to fill up the pool. And she goes, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start yet. Oh, and I'm like, you are clearly in labor. <laughs> yeah. She goes, but I still might go to the hospital. I'm like, no, you're clearly in labor. We need to get this. I need to get this pool started so yeah. that I can focus on you when you're really, really in labor. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, all be co- all over seventy bucks because as soon as you open the liner, the liner. She, <laughs> you've heard this story. I was the same. As soon as you open the liner, that's used. It's gone. Yep. But if we don't use the liner, Save we get 70 months. bucks refunded. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we've just blown how many thousands of dollars in the midwife? I am not fussed over the 70 bucks <laughs> liner. <laughs> um, so I walked into, I walked, she was against me opening the liner and I just opened it in the bathroom. She's, oh, you've opened it. I'm like, yep. Yeah, too late now. <laughs> too late now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if she remembers it that way, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, so finished pumping it up, getting the water in. She was, um, transitioning on the bed. Midwife came, coaxed it into the pool. If, if you're planning a home birth, have a bath, there, like a, a pool there. Like the, yeah. the, the, the way she tells it, it's, it's night and day. It, like, it helps fight gravity. So yeah, <laughs> everything yeah, becomes yeah. lighter, easier. And, and she went from 
um, having horrific pain to going into this. It was, it was the coolest thing to watch this trance-like, almost meditative state between contractions. Yeah. Gathering her focus, gathering her energy and then, and then working through. And yeah, yeah, not in within two hours. Um, yeah, Quinton was born. So yeah, and, and we we're holding him, and and he was real, and a thing, yeah. and a person, like sitting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was amazing. Um, it was a completely different birth experience. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, and it happened so quick. I guess what was your, um, like, what was going through your head when it was like actually happening? Were you thinking like, oh my gosh, it's not been enough time, or like, did you have any thoughts about that, or you just like, this is how it's happening? <laughs> Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So um, one, a really good resource uh, that I used in in the lead up to birth was um, uh, what is it? Hang on, the name of the podcast, uh, the Great uh, Birthing Revolution. Right? Oh, the Great Birth Rebellion. Birth Rebellion. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. I should know it off by heart by now because um, <laughs> I, I listened to a whole bunch of I, I listened to a few of their episodes, uh, particularly around the things like. Um, uh, vitamin K, um, GBS, um, and a few other things like other decisions yeah. we had to make along the way. Yeah. Um, but for partners, if there's apart from your podcast, if there's one <laughs> podcast <cool>. one <laughs> must listen to as a support person, yeah. it is episode yeah. twenty eight. Um, and it's episode it, twenty eight. Episode twenty eight. Um, yeah. and it's how to be a support for a person in labor. Uh, it has yeah, lots, amazing. lots of practical, um, of, of lots of practical things in there. Um, and, and one of the things that stuck with me from it was apart from being a cheerleader, uh, you have to have faith in your partner and that they can do this. Yeah. Even when they don't, you have to provide the faith for them. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of stuck with me. So the, when she had doubts, I had none. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's teamwork. Yeah. So I like from the outset, I had complete blind faith Yeah. that that's what she wanted. That's what she was going to have. Um, yeah. and because so much of birthing is psychological, you, you can't let that negativity that doubt um work your way in you've got to be and again you know from a a psychological point of view a lot of people get caught up on plans and hopes and dreams and what they want and aspirations rather than focusing on what is in front of them at the moment yeah and focusing on the now and being present then and there and now and one of the things um that i've learned and and one of the things i like to do is and so I'm not so flustered is focus on what is not what you yeah. want to be, not what you think can be, what yeah. is, what are we faced with now? So the reality of the situation at that time was, yes, you're in labor. Everything was going the way it was supposed to. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but unlike the first birth where, because she was um, induced, there was no respite between the contractions it was yeah. wave on wave on wave crashing into yeah. her. Yeah. She had no breathing space. Yeah. So then of course that necessitated an epidural. Yep. 
Um, and then, you know, there was other complications and like, you know, so yep. the, the fact that she had it, um, interference led to another interference, which led to yep. another one later. Yeah. yeah so cascade. Yeah, 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 it's a cascade. So this yep. time it was like, no, 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 everything is going as should be. Yeah. If you get into that water, I guarantee you, <laughs> you'll feel a lot better. That's why we got it. That's yeah. like, you know, um, and that's why we got the big one. So I could jump in there with her as well, yeah. um, which I ended up doing in the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for anyone who's um, a, a birth partner, that, that episode 28 for um, the great uh, birth rebellion. Indeed. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, is the one, if, if you're going to listen to one, listen to that. Yeah. After this amazing. One. After yeah. This after this one. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure to uh, link that specific episode in the show notes. Yeah. My episode description. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have any final words uh, for partners and dads out there that, you know, something that you wish you could have heard or anything like that? So another podcast that I like to listen to on on the trip to work is How Other Dads Dad. Oh, okay. Is that with Hamish um, Blake? It's surprisingly like yeah. down to earth, easy to listen to, very funny. Um, you get yeah. lots of perspectives from from a whole range of different dads in different circumstances, and they will touch on on their birth stories um, in, in and out. Um, and uh, one of the things that that came up. Uh, they talk about is holding the space. Okay. Yeah. And, and it comes up, I think Stan Grant's episode, perhaps I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that, that, that phrase holding the space. So yeah. you need to advocate, you need to be the cheerleader. You need to be that foundational solid um, rock to cling to yeah. when like, you know, you get, you're getting assailed by, pain and yeah. and doubt and drama yeah. and um don't be afraid to advocate and say no we need some space we need some time can everyone yeah. leave yeah. um set boundaries enforce those boundaries know what you want and know what you don't want um and you don't know what you don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and don't be afraid to ask and reach out um but advocate for your family and, and back yourself and your partner. Um, that's the biggest one. I think. Yeah. Being able to advocate and, and back yourself and your partner. Yeah. Um, because no one else will. They'll do what's convenient for them. Yeah, for the system. So. Absolutely. That's amazing. So many good um, uh, points. And, uh, yeah, I yeah, I'm, I feel like I need to write it down about the car. Like you spend more time like thinking about what car you're going to buy. That's so true. Thank you so, so much, Robert, um, for your time today. Um, and I really hope this helps uh, somebody out there listening. Me too. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thank you.